What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, guys. Today is Sunday, October 23rd, and we're just here to recap the Washington football team's ugly loss to the Green Bay Packers, where they lost 24 to 10. So, like I said, this is just a quick recap episode, guys, but the theme of this episode, guys, is they're just not that good. They're just not that good. So, I'm not really going to have much, too much to say, um, because, like I said, it's Come to about week seven, even though I kind of did realize a couple weeks earlier, but we're just not a good football team. So there isn't really much analysis that needs to go into these losses because at this point, I expect us to lose games, especially against a good team like the Green Bay Packers. But like I said, this is just a quick recap over the Washington football team's loss against the Green Bay Packers. An ugly loss, to say the least. Um, So, you know, as we go, we're going to give you a recap. Um, over the offense first, then we're going to break down the defensive performance, and then just some of my thoughts on the games um, and the touch bases on things and things like that. All right, so to, just to start with the offense, Taylor Heineke, um, his stat line reads is 25 for 37, 268 yards, one touchdown and one interception, along with 95 rushing yards. While those numbers do seem to be okay, I'm um, actually pretty good, actually. Um, today was actually where I realized we're, he's he's not the answer. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, but we can't win with Taylor Heineke. We're do, we don't have a good enough roster to win with Taylor Heineke. I said a couple of weeks ago where I do think that he's a guy that you can win with, but he's not a guy that you can count on to win you a game. I'm honestly losing faith in that first stance of he's a guy that you can win with, especially with a roster like we have. I know we're depleted, guys. I know we are depleted, but it's just some things, you know, that Taylor Heineke doesn't possess in his repertoire where, you know, a franchise quarterback that we're looking for that we haven't had in years is supposed to be capable of doing. Uh, you look back at his slides, has slash dive before the end zone. Uh, maybe a 6'3 quarterback gets that, you know. It's a game of inches in the NFL. No shade to Taylor because I was defending him because when since when was a dive, you know, giving up your giving up yourself in the NFL. You know, I thought that that call was BS. But you know, depending on the letter of the law, hey, and how you interpret it, hey, may, maybe he was short of the end zone. But hey, a five ten guy has you know way less margin for error than a six three six four type quarterback like those franchise typical prototype typical quarterbacks that we see in the NFL. Um, and it's just we don't have enough margin for error. And Taylor is playing with a lot of error right now. Uh, like I said, the stat line very great, but he's still missing throws. He's still missing high. When he misses his throws, they are high. And I'm telling you the reason why, and it's because of his height. He has to throw it like the apex of his ball has to be that the ball has to be at his apex coming out of his hand because he has to throw it over the receiver, over the lineman. Like it, it, this resulting in the ball being high, no velocity on his balls, and you know there was some some misses he had today. Even though what he only had what twelve incompletions, a couple of those were just ugly throws. He left J.D. McKissick out to dry on a couple of plays. He left Deami Brown out to dry. Um, one of those uh, misses was a, a bad a bad ball where he just dialed and t- Terry McLaurin on the fourth down conversion from the jump. He didn't even scan the opposite side of the field. Now, I know we've been harping on forcing the ball to Terry McLaurin and things like that, but you do not force the ball to Terry McLaurin when the defense knows you're forcing the ball to Terry McLaurin in do-or-die situations where you need a fourth down like um, that. Because I actually wasn't mad at that call by Coach Rivera. I know a lot of people in the Washington football team community – 
you know, they were on Ron's neck about having that call. Oh, is this what you cut Dustin Hopkins for? I actually wasn't mad at the call. I had to go back and look at the film to see if other guys were open. But I was just locked in on Terry as well because that's who Taylor was locked in on from the jump. And it was an easy play for cornerback Eric Stokes to make. So, while the counter numbers were there, it's just too, too many... Too many, too many, too many reckless plays by Taylor. Um, he, he, he's, he's just not the guy. He's just not the guy. Maybe a good spot starter. Um, and, I, and maybe, like I said, maybe a good spot starter. And nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. But we're, I'm just coming to the realization we're not going to win until we get that franchise quarterback, guys. We are not going to win until we get that franchise quarterback, to say the least. And let me just get into a couple of reasons why. Our running back. Who we've, we've been very, I've been high on. Everybody in the Washington football team community has been high on uh, Antonio Gibson. But I don't know if you need to go call Tiki Barber, my boy. But you need to stop fumbling. I don't know what's going on with this fumbling issue. Like I told you, my theory last week is that he's just, he's focused on his, he's not healthy. He's focused on not getting hurt and, and you know, having a, a more severe injury. And you can tell in his play. You know, he had a uh, the first play, uh, the t play before the Taylor Heineke sack fumble uh, caused by Rashawn Gary. Uh, Antonio Gibson had one man to beat for a potential 80 to 90 yard touchdown, but he's tumbling over his feet. And he did that time and time again in the game where, you know, maybe the yards weren't there, but he's tilting and leaning all forward and, it's, and, and he's just not getting the yards out. I, Antonio Gibson had his worst outing of the season by far in my in my uh, since that line read is 14 carries for 51 yards for 3.6 yards per carry average that's that's very pedestrian to say the least and as I mentioned on my Twitter if you guys have followed my uh, social media pages for the live updates throughout the game um the the injuries that that we keep talking about week in and week out that he keeps sustaining but I, I really believe the hype behind those injuries because we don't see the explosion that we saw from rookie year Antonio Gibson from the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game last year or you know the explosive run he had against the Bengals last year we had we don't even see the explosive uh, the explosion that he had that he possessed um, that he showed on his screenplay against the Buffalo Bills I haven't seen An Antonio Gibson with that explosion since that game and you know it, it's evident that he's hampered he's hampered and I don't think that Antonio Gibson's a bad player by any means but um, you know, making that transition from college wide receiver to full time NFL running back has proven to be a difficult one for Antonio Gibson. He's a guy that is always banged up. He can't stay healthy, and I also don't think he's the most natural runner. There's some holes that he presses too early. There's some holes that he's impatient on. That he, you know, he's quick to bounce back on. Um, you know, so even some of the screen passes. While you know, Scott Turner seems to love himself a screen game. To, whoa, I, I've never seen so many, so many inefficient screens in my life and no shade to Scott Turner because you know I, I've, I've been a Scott defendant if you guys have followed Bleeding BNG and followed our uh, our episodes our Instagram our social media pages I've been a, a, a Scott Turner defendant but the screen game like I, I, I've i never seen a guy try to force a screen game that isn't working as much um, and part of the reason is I think because of the cause and when they're called but I also think because of you know some of the players you know Antonio Gibson isn't necessarily selling that screen well our Lyman aren't necessarily selling that screen well. I know um, Greg Olson pointed out. I think it was a JD McKissick run that actually turned out into a first, turned out to be a first down. But he pointed out how Eric Flowers and Chase really didn't block anybody, and you're seeing that in screens over and over again. And I'm kind of baffled as to why Scott Turner keeps running them because 
we we it's clear that we don't have the screen game aspect of our playbook down um, to where it needs to be to where it's you know NFL game ready because I, I I don't know how many screens we had today but the average yard per play on those screen games screen plays couldn't have been more than about three to four yards per play honestly and that's with the big JD McKissick run that was all JD none of none none of the none of the you know scheme or none of the playbook being drawn up JD had to make a couple of guys miss in the uh, in the backfield and things like that so Antonio Gibson my guy uh, you you you're struggling you're struggling so hopefully we can get Antonio Gibson through to the bye and I think that's what was the in the offense in the organization's mind as well is hopefully they can get him to the bow where he can rest up and things like that. But we gotta remember, guys, this isn't a small guy, a 6'2", 230 pound running back. But a, uh, 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 it was a report that came out by Ian Rappaport that said he was playing with a hairline fracture. I know it was reported as a stress fracture to be early. I think a, a hairline fracture is a tad bit more severe. So you you you're taking an NFL pound and even with what he had 14 carries and a couple of catches. So you're taking the 16 touches and you're getting hit on all 16 touches. That's not even counting the pass blocking reps and things like that he's getting in the game. It, it, it can be well to have a lower body injury like the one that he's sustaining. And it shows in his play. And I think that's a reason why he's tumbling over. He's trying to just get the yards that's there and not fight for anything extra because he's, he's fighting through injuries right now. He doesn't have any more fight to give, to give right now. Um, like I said, I really think he's he's concerned about, you know, not furthering his injury. And once you get to that point, guys, you shouldn't be on the field, right? If you if you have to be, you know, conscious of, you know, your health while you're playing, and, you know, football is a game. You, all, you, you guys heard that term. You got to keep your head on the swivel. And when you're focused on too many things, it's harder to keep your head on the swivel because you got to be alert on that football field at all times. That is a collision sport. That's the most dangerous sport there is known to man. And I got, and I don't think that it's too promising that a guy like Antonio Gibson is playing with all these lower body extremities as an NFL running back taking that pounding. So hey, I don't know if he's going to play against the, the the Denver Broncos. It didn't seem to he didn't seem to face too severe of an injury, or he didn't seem to further you know worsen that injury today. So it looks like he may play against the Denver Broncos. We see I have to see how practice goes, but I wouldn't mind if he sits that game out uh, because I did not like what I saw from Antonio Gibson today. Um, J.D. McKissick, uh, I mentioned Taylor almost killed him um, on one of his high check down throws. I also mentioned how he made a play on one of his few plays that was there to be made today. But he was non-existent in the second week in a row. And I'm trying to figure out why. Because if you guys have noticed, the one constant that has, you know, shown itself in the two Washington victories so far this season is that J.D. McKissick was a big-time prime performer in both of those games. So I'm confused as to why he's not in the offense more. In the off, involved in the office more, especially when you have a guy like Curtis Samuel that can't seem to get on the field, that has the worst groin in the history of groins. I, I just can't understand it. I can't understand it. Like, J.D. McKissick, if you guys don't know his history, he started as a college wide receiver, and you guys can probably tell that it was a stat read today during the game that he's leading all NFL running backs and catches throughout the last two years, and that shows some of his receiver background. So why are we not opening up these, these I think that, you know, why are we not opening up the offense and giving, you know, some of these plays that we would give to Curtis Samuel, some of the reverses and things like that, these plays that Scott Turner talked us up on in the offseason, why are we not running those for J.D. McKissick to get him more involved? You guys know how big of a J.D. McKissick fan we are over at Bleeder BNG. It's always J.D. McKissick greater sign than Chris Thompson. 
always, always, and forever. So I think that he's one of our more dynamic playmakers on the offensive end. You know, while we're over here trying to force Antonio Gibson the ball and things like that, we need to be finding ways to get J.D. McKissick the ball because if you want to win, it looks like you have to get J.D. McKissick involved. If, if the 2021 season hasn't told you anything at all, that's what it's told me so far, that if you want to win a, a Washington football team football game, you have to get J.D. McKissick involved. And it also showed me that we don't have a quarterback. We do not have a quarterback, to say the least. So going back to the to just keep on touch on the skill positions, guys, we're back to Terry McLaurin and the Pips. We're back to Terry McLaurin and the Pips. Like I said, you know, Terry McLaurin, Michael with a whole bunch of Michael Jackson with a whole bunch of Tito's. We're back to that. Terry McLaurin stat line read at seven receptions for 122 yards and one touchdown, and it could have been an even better day. Um, and I don't really classify it as a drop, but he did have a ball that. You know, got out, got out of, you know, a, a ball that we, on a play that we usually see Terry McLaurin make. But, uh, the reason that I would classify it as a drop is because it actually hit Terry in the face mask. And one of the reasons I think it did is because Terry isn't the most natural hands catcher. Um, you know, he, he's one of the highest receivers in contested catch rate and things like that. And it's because he uses his body so efficiently on catches and things like that. There's a thing called a gator grab. It's a, more of a new term as far as football terminology, like a gator trap grab. And you see that Terry McLaurin uses that almost all the time. And some of the reasons why I think that, you know, he's um, he's able to get covered on some of these receptions against guys, uh, on some of these reps against guys like Marshawn Lattimore and the better cornerbacks. Uh, you even saw it against a guy like Eric Stokes today. Uh, he's not he's not always extending his arms and, you know, using his hands to make the catch. He's a he's a, 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 a body catcher, which isn't a bad thing. You know, Antonio uh, Brown, who's one of the best receivers in the last 20 years, is a body catcher as well. Um, but, you know, when you're not creating as much separation, it's really important um, to use those hands on plays and things like that um, where, you know, the, 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 the contested catch is great and things like that. But let's get back to our, you know, original receiver techniques where, you know, palms out, elbows, thumbs down, you know, making a diamond where you're catching the pass and things like that. Um, but Terry McLaurin, like I said, he had a great day, so I can't really complain about that play too much. But when your next receiver, your next highest receiver, is, as far as yardage total and things like that, is Ricky Sales Jones with six receptions for 51 yards, that's not going to get the job done. Not in today's NFL. And guys, this is this season is honestly giving me 2013 vibes again. You know, after that flash in the pan 2012 season, you know, Robert Griffin III's rookie year, um, after, you know, he had trouble coming back from his ACL injury and things like that to come back and, and, you know, compete and things like that. You know, this is the type of vibe I'm getting for that 2013 season before, you know, Kirk was able to give us substantial quarterback play and things like that in the 2014 season and season beyond up until, what, 2017? I'm getting vibes of that 2013 season. If you guys can remember, that was an ugly season to say the least. And this is looking to be an ugly season as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little older. Um, like I said, that was 2013, so it was about eight years ago. Uh, I'm eight years wiser, and, and I can't be too mad. Um, I can't be too mad at the direction of this team. Uh, I allowed myself, and I allowed whatever, whatever Coach Rivera and whatever anybody wants to say now. I believed them in the preseason, you know, when they told us that we were close. Because now, you know, a lot of talk is coming back that, you know, this is a re rebuild. This was year two of a rebuild. I don't want to hear that. 
because that was not what was sold to me during during you know the off season. That's not what was sold to me when I was buying my season tickets. That's not what I was hearing. That's not what I was being preached. So I don't want to hear it now with the revisionist history and things like that. But in all honesty, it is true. Like this is a bad team. This is a bad team. We're just not that good. We're just not that good. The offensive line had one of their worst days of the year. Charles Leno had his worst day of the season. Um, allowing that, that was, that was just a nasty, a, a nasty rep against Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary just beat him smooth off the snap. It was, it was, it was bad. It was bad. Um, and with all that being said, we still lost by fourteen points. So even, even, even like the the, the pessimists in me right now, like I said, guys, the, the 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 optics for this season is bleak from here on out. What, what my outlook on this season is bleak. But, you know, we still only lost by 14 points. But the margin of error is so small that I don't see any way that we could have capitalized on these 14 points. Like I told you guys a couple of weeks ago. Or like I told you guys last week, you know, when I was tweeting, we win this game with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then it just all seemed to unravel after that. That's just what happens with bad teams. That's just what happens with bad teams. They may give you a puncher's chance for about a, a quarter or a quarter or two. But ultimately, when the talent's not there, when the scheme's not there, it's going to fall apart in the end, and that that that's what happened. It's, it's, this seems to be a, a a theme going with this season now. This is our third straight loss, and in all three losses, we have just unraveled down the seams, unraveled at the seams during the second half, and that's that's a that's a that's a known thing for bad teams. Um, so that's it for the offense, the defense. Um. The defense actually defense actually played one of their better games of the season. And I know they allowed 500 yards to Patrick Mahomes last week, but I actually think that these were two these were probably the two best defensive outings of the season. And that's not saying much. You know, this is arguably arguably the worst defense in the NFL, which is crazy to say with all the prospects that we had going up into the season. But guys, it just is what it is. I think that the front four played one of his better best games as a unit. Um, this week, um, we had three sacks by the front four, one by Montez Sweat, two by Jonathan Allen, who continues to be a dog, who continues to be the best defensive lineman on this Washington football team roster. Yes, I said it. Jonathan Allen is the best defensive lineman on this Washington football team roster. Um, and speaking to a guy that a lot of people think is, um, in Chase Young, um, his consecutive game streak with a, a sack ended today in one of his, you know, more quieter games of the season. I think, you know, he was affected. He got poked in the eye, maybe the second Green Bay drive of the game. And I do think he was kind of affected by that. Because I, I, the first two drives to me, Chase looked spry, rushing and things like that. Even on that rush when he got poked in the eye, he looked spry. But I honestly didn't see him coming off the ball as fast after that. And I don't want to, you know, read into, too much into it. But, you know, just an observation. And that's, you know. That's what we're here to do at Bleeding Me and G. We're here to make observations on the game. So while I did like Chase's activity and energy early in the game, he seemed to get effect, uh, be affected by that eye poke, which is, which is understandable because an eye poke is a nasty injury. Um, if you guys have ever been poked up in the eye, I'm sure you guys haven't been poked in the eye by 6'5 guys that's 330 30 pounds with sausage fingers like like Billy Turner is. And he tried to do it again. And I, You can tell that Chase was affected because you saw he was fed up after the second call that they called the illegal hands to the face. He was like, bro, come on. Like, what are, what are we doing? 
Um, so, you know, I don't think that Chase necessarily played a bad game. It was just a quiet one. The front four had one of his best, like I said, his best game as a unit. Um, Cam Curl played more. And it wasn't it wasn't a coincidence. Jack Del Rio, hear me out now. It wasn't a coincidence that when Cam, Cam Curl plays more, your pass defense gets better. You know, we held Aaron Rodgers to pretty pedestrian numbers. You know, 250-somewhat yards. But, you know, he's he's capable of going off. He's one of the two, three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And we've seen, you know, worst quarterbacks have bigger numbers against Washington this season. Um, Landon Collins, who, you know, Cam Curl was playing at strong safety a lot for this week. Um, he was closer to the box. Speaking of Collins, um, he actually led the team in tackles with seven tackles. And I'm, I'm here to say, as much as, you know, we're here to bash Landon and things like that, it's because, you know, Landon was being misused. So it's just as much as a fault on the coaching staff. Um, Landon should have been playing closer to the line of scrimmage from the beginning of the season. And I think that the coaching staff was fooled just like we were fooled in Richmond. Like I told you guys and a couple of you guys that, well, a lot of you guys that tuned into our earlier episodes that have been riding with Bleeding B&G for a while now, Landon looked good in training camp. He looked good at the safety position. He showed it in the preseason, closing the gap on Thaddeus Moss and things like that. And I think that the coaches bought the hype as well. But this is still a, a safety who was coming off an Achilles injury that wasn't necessarily the best coverage guy and wasn't necessarily the fastest before that injury. So I think that, you know, he has a home playing closer to the box. And, and it shows. He led the team in tackles. And I honestly think out of any anybody on the team, he's our best run defender. He's our best run defender, so he needs to stay there. Why haven't we been putting players in position to succeed from the jump? Why are we just making this, this transition? Why is Danny Johnson... Just playing now. And I, I honestly, I know he got the touchdown caught on him, and that's just a size deficit. And that's just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers with a tremendous back shoulder throw to Island Lazar. But I think that Danny Johnson played that nickel cornerback position better than Kendall Fuller played at all this season. At all this season. And you guys can let me know if you agree or disagree. He was sticking his head in there. Um, I think he, I know that he had a third down conversion caught on him, but that was one of the few times where the offensive, where the defensive line gave Aaron Rodgers all day to throw. I think that Danny Johnson actually played pretty well. I love the fight. I think that he's faster than Kendall Fuller. I think that he can run with guys better than Kendall Fuller at this point in their careers. And I, I, I and I don't know if you bench Kendall Fuller, but I don't know. I don't know what you do with Kendall Fuller because I honestly think that Danny Johnson played that slot. Like I said, he played that slot corner better than Kendall has done at any point this season. Um, Benjamin St. Juice was getting picked on. Uh, and it's not necessarily because he's a bad cover corner. I actually think that Benjamin St. Juice is really talented. He has to work on those ball skills, though. He has to work on those ball skills. This is a guy that had zero interceptions in college, and we see why. I honestly think this is one of the reasons he fell to the third round because he's always in position. He's the tallest cornerback in the NFL, so you know the physical traits are there. He's not slow, but you got to turn that head around and make these plays on the ball, my guy. And a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to keep on, he's just going to keep on picking on you doing things like that. So, like I said, guys, we're just we're just not that good, and we're in a rebuild, and it's, this is, we still have players that, are, that haven't reached their potential. We still have players that's working on techniques. We have young guys. There's a lot of young guys on the roster at this point. And we're just not that good. One of the things that I took away from the game is Jamin Davis flashed. He flashed in the run game, at least. Um, last week, I believe that he, he, he had a really good game in coverage, especially in zone coverage and things like that. He got picked on um, today, uh, allowed a touchdown to Robert Tunyon. 
where he was giving up inside leverage while Vertanian broke on a post-corner route. On a corner route, we, we, I mean, it was just pitch and catch for Aaron Rodgers. You're going to give up that. Um, I, I wasn't mad at Jamin for that because it wasn't like he got beat, abused. He got he got abused badly. You know, he's just had the wrong leverage, and a good quarterback is going to take advantage of that. Something that we haven't seen in Washington football team, in a, uh, Washington football team, as a Washington football team fan in a while, because we're not used to good quarterback play because we don't have any good quarterbacks. We're just not that good. We're just not that good. And guess what? Newsflash. We're not going to be that good till we get that quarterback. So I don't know what the hesitancy was in trading up for one of these quarterbacks this year. But I know one thing. Ron Rivera, you better not go into year three without a franchise quarterback or not knowing who your quarterback of the future is going to be. Because now the defense has finally gotten it together. You know, it does take defenses in the NFL longer to, you know, jail the offenses, especially with today's rules that benefit the offense. So I'm not saying that the defense is a juggernaut by any means, but they're starting to jail. But now your quarterback is subpar. Your quarterback play is subpar. You're supposed to at least be in the game when your defense is, is holding the Green Bay Packers to 24 points. And there was never a thought in that game that we were in the game. Not in the second half, at least. There was never a thought. If you're an honest Washington football team fan, there was never a thought that we were in that football game. So let's stop BSing. Let's stop BSing. Let's stop spending all this, all this draft capital on all these defenders and still ending up as one of the worst defenses in the league. And let's do the right thing and let's get a quarterback. Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, whoever you want. Anything is better than what Taylor Heineke is giving us right now. Anything. Because all those guys I just named have the elite physical traits that Heineke just doesn't at this point. He just doesn't. Me personally, I'm a big Kenny Pickett guy. I think that he's he's the most NFL-ready quarterback in, in the draft. I think that there's a chance that he may not go one. And I think that there's a chance that we can really get him. Because I don't really see us winning too many more games. We honestly may go 3-14. and 14 With our last win coming against the Denver Broncos next week. We may get Philly because they suck. But we're going to have a chance at one of these quarterbacks. So we better do the right thing. We better do the right thing. And if I get a feeling that we won't, I'll come take over that damn draft room myself, a la Dan Snyder style. Because I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. You are not winning in the NFL today without a quarterback. The goddamn Cincinnati Bengals, as we speak right now, are the number one seed in the entire AFC because they got their franchise quarterback last year. The goddamn Cincinnati Bengals, that poverty franchise, is the number one seed in the AFC. But we got old-ass cavemen-thinking guys like Ron Rivera, Marty, Marty Herney, and Martin Mayhew over here spending all this goddamn draft capital on linebackers and defensive tackles and defensive ends. This is a foundational issue that I told you guys a couple of weeks ago can't be fixed right away. 
But I think that this new regime is also helping add to some of these issues. So guys, with all that being said, we're just not that good. We're just not that good. And guess what? To all my fans out there suffering like me, when you finally, when you, the first step is admitting. So when you finally admit that we're just not that good, the season will go by a lot smoothly for you. Not saying that we're going to win any more games. Not saying that this season is going to go by good for you. But like the stress relief, the stress enduring games and things like that. Because at this point, like it's expected. It's expected. Like it's expected that we're going to do something that just is going to prevent us from winning. Listen to this. The Green Bay Packers had allowed 15 touchdowns on 15 drives in, when in which their opponent reached the red zone. They stopped us four times in the red zone. So every time an opponent before our game today had reached the red zone against the Green Bay Packers, they scored a touchdown. We never got in the end zone in four tries. If that doesn't show you the epitome of the dysfunction of this team, of this roster, and of this organization compared to everybody else in the NFL, I don't know what other stat does. And that is how I'm going to end this episode. So, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. If you're listening to us on all podcast platforms, but especially Apple Podcasts, please rate, please review. Um, please push out all those ratings. Please comment. Please review. Please subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, please comment, please like, please subscribe. If you're following us on our social media pages, or if you don't follow us on our social media pages, make sure you're tapping into our Twitter. Our Twitter is at BleedingBNG. That's at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. Our Instagram is at BleedingBNG. That's at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. And guys, like I said, while this season isn't looking too promising, us over at Bleeding BNG, we're going to make the best out of it. So please just make sure you're tapped into all our content across all our social media, across our YouTube pages. Just make sure you're tapped into Bleeding BNG all over because we're here for you, even though the Washington football team isn't. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. Tap into the next one. I'll see you later. Peace.